How's it going? My name is Scott Free. Thank you very much. This is Homo Latte. This is a twice a month queer performance series. And we have performing tonight Jarrett Neal. Let's hear it for Jarrett. And we also have performing George Abbey. Let's hear it for George. And let's see if you've never been here before. There's a couple of rules, so the rules are, I'm gonna pass around the Ikea tip jar, and proceeds are split between the two artists performing. I take zero, cafe take zero, so they do like it if you eat and drink up. Uh, to do that, you just order food next door, and Justin will bring it in, or if you want drinks, you go to the bar and get drinks. And uh, let's see, um, I'm going to, I have a little sign-up sheet up here. This has nothing to do with Homo Latte. Uh, this is a friend of mine who's running for Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Um, he's actually running for the, uh, in the Green Party, and uh, he tried to run in the primary. The city of Chicago refused to print up the Green Party ballots, so he didn't, he didn't get enough votes. Uh, you could vote for him in Cook County, but you know, scummy city of Chicago. But you can uh, get on the ballot, I guess, through a petition. So we're trying that. So if you want to come up and sign that, that would be wonderful. He's a great guy. Jeffrey Cubbage is his name. And um, then my other little plug, I'm, I'm selling CDs, which have just come out. The official release is June 1st. And it's a fake band called the Diesel Types. And it's like a uh, LGBT family CD. So it's a lot of uplifting family songs. They have a lot of guest vocalists. Naj, who's now a national artist, he had a, like a number one uh, video on MTV. He used to live here. These are all people who either lived here or used to live here. Uh, J.C. Brooks, who's a pretty big name in Chicago, and uh, Laura Doherty, who's really big on the children's music scene. So she's got a song. So I wrote the whole thing, and um, my nephew uh, has voices on there, and my percussionist kids are on there. So it's a really fun CD. Um, and... So I'm going to start with one song, and then Jared will be up. Um, this homolatte is a space where I encourage people to try things that they haven't tried before, or maybe are afraid to because it's a very friendly audience. So I'm going to do one of my songs, which I never play because it's um, a finger pick thing, and like I've had this issue all my life with my fingers, so <laughs> it shakes. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, this could be interesting, but um, I wrote this a while back, and it's about something that happened many, many years ago, which is not too pleasant, but um, that's how it is. Sometimes you write a song about things that aren't too pleasant, so let me try it.
Tuesday night on a couch binge watching Netflix, but you came to hear me <laughs> and great musicians. So thank you for that. Thank you for supporting local artists. Thank you to Scott for asking me to come and read. It's been a while since I've read it. Tweet, I've always had great experiences here at Tweet Homo Latte, so that's really great. On the outset, I'm going to make a preemptive apology because I'm having an issue with my breathing. I don't know what's going on, if it's the weather or who knows what. So if you hear me go, that's not nervousness or anything. It's just maybe I have lung cancer or something. I don't know. Got some doctor. So anyway, <clears throat> so I'm a writer. At least I try to be. Uh, help other people with their writing. So right now I am working on a collection of short stories. And the title of the short story collection is The White Boy Does His Work. 
this is a collection. What I'm doing with this collection is I'm looking at African-American men and their, their relationship with education, both formal education and informal education. I'm an educator. I work for a university. And I'm looking at characters that are either teachers or their students or whatever. Uh, it starts with the first story is about a kindergarten kid, pre-kindergarten, who has graphomania. Look that up. It's a condition. And the last story in the collection is actually a novella about an emeritus professor who's a bit of a J.D. Salinger recluse. So this is a space to try out something on you. I hope you don't throw french fries at me. <laughs> uh, this is the second story in the collection. So we're in elementary school. And it's a flash fiction story. And I think that's all the setup you need. Uh, and if I perform this right, it should be okay. So the title of the story is The Ain't Song. The Ain't Song. I'm glad you finally decided to hear my side of the story. By now, the whole country thinks I'm a big racist, and I'm not. Look, my wife is black. My teenage sons are half black. I voted for Obama twice. <laughs> I fully support Black Lives Matters. I've witnessed racism in the past and I've called it out each time. Not all white guys are privileged racist jerks. What I am, however, is ruined. I am living proof that the internet can utterly destroy a person. Imagine it from my perspective. I know that's tough for most of you to do given what I am and what went down, but just think about it, okay? Here I am. A 43-year-old white man, I busted my ass to get into decent schools. No affirmative action for me, no special scholarships or grant. I got into good schools, and I earned a doctorate in education. I taught elementary school for 15 years. I've won awards. I put my time in. Remember that. I put my time in, and now I'm destroyed. I was doing great on my job, and here comes this guy Tyrell, fresh out of college. Tyrell with nothing but his big toothy grin and a BA from some degree mill. Yeah, he happens to be black, and honestly, that helps in this profession. Not many black guys are interested in becoming fourth grade teachers. Ballers, rappers, comedians, yes. But a grade school teacher isn't high on most men's list of career aspirations, black, white, brown, or otherwise. So you see how much of a big deal it was for me to decide to go into education, elementary education at that when I could have been a doctor or an engineer or something. Now let's go back to Tyrell. He's got a typical story, black kid from the rough side of Chicago. And let me tell you, growing up in Janesville, Wisconsin wasn't a carnival for me either, but nobody wants to hear that story. Tyrell was fostered for most of his childhood and his mother got clean. He busted his ass in college the same way I did. But let's be real, it was the YouTube videos that got him the job at my school. Nothing set this guy apart from any other applicant except his race and his knack for selling himself. And that isn't racism, that's just a fact. He's a millennial and he knows how to get himself out there. I knew from the start that Tyrell wasn't an attention whore. He's got every social media account you can think of and his own website. This is a guy who cares more about how many people like his vids and his pics and his posts than what he's actually accomplishing in the classroom. I started watching him from day one, every movie made. I told everyone what I saw and heard. 
I told our principal, I told the superintendent, and I told Tyrell right to his face. I mean, we're talking about a guy who brings a couple of turntables to class and wraps his lessons to his students. We're talking about a teacher who tosses textbooks in the garbage. He thinks he's Sidney Poitier or Jackie Robinson or Barack Obama. He refuses to follow the plan we've set forth. And you know what the kids decided on? Oh, let me sit, lean back on a minute. Get this. He lets his students decide what they're going to spend their semester learning. And you know what they decided on? Video games. Yep, they spent the whole goddamn semester playing video games, free writing about video games, having video game competitions, reading video game magazines. He brought in his own flat screen and a gaming system, set it up, and just let them play. And if they weren't playing video games, they were making music. Instead of giving them books and homework, he asked them to make up songs and raps. There was lots of singing and clapping and dancing in Tyrell's class. His students would follow him through the hall singing and clapping and dancing. Then they would follow him out to the playground singing and clapping and dancing. That would be great if he was a music teacher, but he's not. He gave them pizza and pop, and a lot of parents were hopping mad about that, more than anyone knows because Inez, our principal, just swept it all under the rug. Think what that did to the rest of us and our students. They were so jealous. They all wanted to be in Tyrell's class. The rest of us teachers adhered to the standard curriculum, and here was this YouTube celebrity crapping on all of it. He caused so much chaos in our school, him and the folks who followed him around videoing him all the time, and the news media, and the teachers and students from other schools who visited to watch Tyrell Gordon in action. I mean, it was like being a member of a Harlem church trying to worship while tourists snap photos and gawk at you during Sunday service. I totally, what that, no, no, I totally know what that feels like now. The only good thing about this whole debacle is that I can say with 100% certainty that I know what black people go through when they've been discriminated against. <laughs> I was making lesson plans, following the curriculum, making sure my students know everything they need to know about passing the park exam, and Tyrell lobbied a grenade and lobbed a grenade into everything my colleagues and I stand for. Literally decades of tradition and practice. Tyrell thinks he's Paolo Freire or John Dewey or somebody. The Messiah complex on this guy is incredible. From day one, he was on a mission to blow up the status quo and upset everyone at our school, all the students, faculty, and staff. I don't care if my kids say ain't, he once said in a faculty meeting. 40% of the kids at our school are black, and they come from families that are barely making it. They've got parents in jail and brothers and sisters strung out on drugs. They live in neighborhoods where bullets outnum outnumber bumblebees. Poetic, right? Then he said, some of our students come to school hungry. Every person in this room is on a mission, on a rescue mission, folks. And sorry to offend any of you old timers, old timers. But we have a lot more important things to do for these kids than bust their balls because they say ain't instead of aren't. Can you believe that arrogance? That sanctimony? The day after his little speech, he brought his ukulele, a uh, ukulele. He brought his ukulele to class and made up that song for the students, that damn song, the ain't song. Fancy title, right? The video got four million views. Can you believe it? 
There, there he was, strumming that stupid ukulele with all of his students mobbed around him singing along. You must have heard it by now. Some famous rapper did a version of it. Then the rapper's version got popular, and just about every other singer was doing a version of it. Check YouTube. There's a lot of rap versions about it, and there's a pop version, there's a rock version, country, jazz, alternative, you name it. I still can't get that fucking song out of my head. And the chorus was the worst. Ain't, ain't wrong if you say it from your heart. Sing this song when they tell you say aren't. My dad was an English professor, and my grandfather was president of a small college. If they were alive, their faces would turn ghostly white if they knew elementary school teachers were encouraging students to use non-standard English. My dad used to call it trash English. Ain't. The music wasn't even original, okay? Tyrell ripped off the melody from Up on the Housetop, the Christmas song, you know? The kids at school sang that song for weeks, stretching out the aren't into two syllables. Eventually, they stopped singing the song altogether, but kept on with the aren't, aren't, aren't. I walk the halls and hear students saying aren't to one another like it was a game of Marco Polo. Plenty of teachers and staff were upset about it. We never knew what to, expect, what to expect from one day to the next. Would it be a normal, quiet day at school, or would we be mobbed with news crews and videographers? Tyrell did everything he could to disrupt the normal function of the school. He has zero respect for education, not traditional education anyway. I think he's a great guy, and I'm glad more African-American men are getting into elementary education, but he's got it wrong. We are educators. We are not entertainers. What good is Tyrell shucking and jiving if his students don't learn a goddamn thing? And I told him that. I confronted him after that ain't art meeting. He said I was red in the face, and I guess I was. That's when he suggested we collaborate. I want people to hear me on this. It was Tyrell's idea that we put together that skit for the kids, not me. It was Tyrell who asked me to join him in a rap battle. Sounds silly, I know, but I've always been a fan of Cypress Hill and Common and Jay-Z. I figured I could spit some fire, as they say. I wasn't expecting to reach Tyrell's heights, but I wanted the kids to get a different view of Tyrell's annex. I thought maybe if I revealed Tyrell and his flashy edutainment for what it actually is, the kids and the parents and the media and Inez would see through his act and either make him toe the line or send him packing. So I worked with my son on some lyrics, both of them. History was my concentration in college, African American history in particular, and seeing as how it was Black History Month, I wanted to impart a lesson to our students, 40% African American, as Mr. Gordon is so quick to point out, about the contributions blacks have made to this nation. Something, I might add, he wasn't doing for the students. So with my son's help, I made up this rap about Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington and Dr. King and Barack, all the greats. I wore an oversized white wife beater and baggy jeans and a backwards baseball cap. The whole school was there in the auditorium, all the faculty and administrators and custodian. Of course, Tyrell's video crew was there and every local news station. Reporters and bloggers showed up too, and some parents. No one wanted to miss seeing Tyrell put me to shame, but then the opposite happened. Tyrell was on stage doing this strange mumble rap about self-expression and freeing your mind and being open to possibilities. Hippie stuff, you know? It was all freestyling, like he didn't have time to make up one of his catchy tunes with his ukulele. But, that, but I did my homework. 
I practiced and practiced. Both my sons were in the background spinning the decks for me. And when I came on stage, I rapped all about the leaders of the black community and personal responsibility and how these great men rose to prominence on their own merits without helping anyone and fought the establishment. And when I was done, the crowd went bananas. Everybody was clapping and cheering and saying, you're the man, Mr. Ryan. But if I could have stopped it right then and there, everything would be fine now. If I had cut my rap short, if I had stopped at Washington or King, maybe I wouldn't be in this mess. They were the stupidest words to ever come out of my mouth. After I did my rap and the class was cheering, Tyrell gave me one up top and I just blurted into the mic, see everybody, I can be a dope ass nigger too. <laughs> all those cheers and all that applause stopped instantly. A wave of booze hit me. Parents got in my face, screaming that I was a racist. Cameras flashed. Kids threw trash at me. Tyrell just stood there on the stage with his arms crossed, shaking his head. He had this weird smirk on his face, too. He was loving it. He finally got what he wanted. He finally got to see a white man taken down. Tyrell is a con man, but because of one mistake, I'll be an evil racist for the rest of my life. Imagine, imagine if someone filmed you at the worst moment of your life and broadcast it all over the internet. Imagine if you didn't get enough sleep the night before because you were helping your kids with their homework and grading papers and writing assessments and you had a couple of glasses of wine and you overslept the next morning and you had an auditorium full of kids and teachers and reporters eager to be entertained and you had a colleague disparaging you and your beliefs and values, and you had pressure on you to both entertain and educate, and you were afraid of making a fool of yourself in the back of your mind. You were thinking about your wife and your two biracial sons growing up in a racist society, and you had over 20 years before retirement and student loans to pay off and problems with your sciatica and your knees, and you were getting bald and fat, and the lights were hot, and the music was loud, and all around you people were singing and clapping and dancing, and you were trying so hard to be cool and liked and admired, and you had a slip of the tongue while you were trying so hard to be cool and liked and admired, and you said the wrong thing. You said the worst thing. You lashed tears into your wife's eyes and your children's eyes, and that one dumb moment had been memorialized and broadcast all over the world. Inez fired me the next day. The press, the media, the internet, the phone calls to me and my family, all of it ruined me. My wife kicked me out. My boys were sobbing. I've had death threats. And no one, I mean no one, wants to hire me. You know what I do? I deliver pizzas for Papa John's and write papers for college students. I live check to check. I pop Xanax like Tic Tacs. I run a room from a guy who sells drugs. He blasts hammer skins and blue-eyed devils all day and night. Am I ashamed of it? Hell yes, but what choice do I have? My life never was and never will be a carnival. But Tyrell is getting his own reality show. Can you believe that? Tyrell and his kind have ruined me and they are ruining this country. They think they're helping by providing at-risk students alternative ways to acquire education, but what they're really doing is capitalizing on their status as marginalized people. If my father and grandfather could see the way I live now, 
if they could see what education in this country has come to and what it's done to our society, there'd be some changes made. Here one more time for Jared Neal. Okay, we're gonna take a short break and uh, do some techie and very uh, important techie stuff up here, and uh, then uh, George will be up. So a very short. Come and mighty sea. 
in Bangalore. They just cross dressers. Uh, they work the streets and they do sex work and they beg and that's the only way they can make a living. And so they have these places where they live and and me being gay, I was actually born and raised in this culture where you treat them very weird. The relationship between um, people and trans people are like very weird. And um, I went there and then I saw this one person, I was sitting in an auto rickshaw and this lady came up and she, um, I immediately, whatever I had, I just gave it to her because I was, there was something inside that I wanted to give and I gave it and she immediately stretched out her hand and she blessed me and I just broke down and I was like, man, I mean, I saw it in a different view now. I mean, previously I used to be scared, you know, just because my parents told me something about them and how they are treated and how they treat people and I was just taken aback. She just blessed me. And apparently in the Hindu tradition, they are known to be people with extra blessing. As in they have oh. souls of two people in them, the man and the woman, so they get like, if they bless you, like, you're done for good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how my perspective changed and how it was, was amazing. And you know, and like I said, I was telling Scott, I mean, the culture here, I mean, people might think that, oh, look where we are right now, but there are so many small things we take granted for, so many small things. Like I wore black nail polish <laughs> in India and people were looking down at me and they were like, oh, those kind, is it? You know, and those kind of things you can do here, I mean, you're fine, you know, but we take it for granted. And I think going forward, just those small little things of you just being yourself is so important and just take it as a blessing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. i 
before as the walls to the sea. I said, how many years must some people exist before they're allowed to be free? Oh, how many times can a man turn his head and pretend that he doesn't I can't hide 
once again, thanks for this time and thanks for everyone who showed up. And I wanted this to be a secret kind of a performance, yeah, yeah. so I didn't invite all my friends. <laughs> they showed up anyways. Thank uh. you. <laughs> thank you once again, Scott. Let's hear one more time for Georgia Bay. And let's hear one more time for Jared Neal. And if you didn't contribute to the IKEA tip jar, please do so. And uh, yeah, that poor thing has really had it. Um, uh, let's see, so our next show is going to be, well, it's the first Tuesday of the next month, I don't remember the date now, and the performers are um, Vita Aya Cleveland, if she stays in town, I don't know, she, I've been watching her posts, so she may be gone, we'll see, um, and then, uh, and uh, let's see, uh, trans artist, actually, uh, first time performing here as female, uh, has performed here as male in the past. Uh, Kyra Lee will be performing. So, um, Kyle Greer, oh, wow. is, uh, Kyra Lear, oh, Kyra Lee, wow. and uh, yeah, so, uh, so I'm very excited about that performance, Ooh. and thanks a lot for coming in tonight. Good night. <laughs>